Are you ready? Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, and Scott Robbins. We just become best friends. Yep. Making sense of it all. Now I get it. And having some fun. Lighten up, Francis. This is the Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins Show. All right, let's do it. The Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins Show. I'm Jamie Markley. That's David Van Camp. There's Scott Robbins. Whole lot going on. Um, there's a lot of things horrible about yeah. the war in Ukraine, uh, but there's one piece of this that's not thought about a whole lot, and John Kerry wants to change that. Yeah, he's the White House climate czar, and he is traveling with the president uh, for the purposes of attending the NATO summit that's going on. Of course, uh, Ukraine is sending representatives there to say, hey, let us in NATO, which would essentially be NATO members declaring war on Russia. Nobody wants a piece of that. Even Joe Biden in his decrepit state recognizes how much of a disaster that would be. But, uh, yeah, the White House climate czar, John Kerry, has found the real problem with Russia's invasion of Ukraine. This was during an interview on MSNBC. When you have bombs going off and you have damage to septic tanks or to power centers, et cetera, you have an enormous release of, uh, of greenhouse gas, of methane, of, you know, all of the family of greenhouse gases. And the result is it's adding uh, to the problem. I'm not, you know, believe me. You got that, Scott? No. The whole greenhouse family. Right. The whole family gets released. Yes. It makes everything worse. Mm-hmm. Forget about all the private planes that brought you there. This the guy. cavalcade of vehicle. Forget all that. This war's bad, too. That's uh, The fight in Ukraine is a fight that we have to make, that the world has to make. The values at stake. Oh, hold on a second. Said who? Yeah. I guess that's those just, people. yeah, just like a given. To those people, it absolutely has to happen. Okay. The values at stake are enormously important to all of us. So I'm not suggesting by any fashion that that this is not a fight we shouldn't be involved in. But I am saying that there are ancillary impacts as a result of it. Okay. You know how how when I think about how close that grifter was to actually being president at one point in time. Yes. He's. He's, I don't know. I, the Griff is always in on this guy, though. Always. You know what you made me think of when you said that? What's that? It's like how close Merrick Garland got to becoming a Supreme yeah. Court justice. I thought the exact same thing the other day. <laughs> uh, and, 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 I, and then I thought about Kerry. Because yes. both of these guys, I mean, can you imagine those yeah. two knuckleheads? I mean, golly. Yeah, that's really something. And they always find something for Kerry to do. Of course. It seems like some cabinet position or some ambassadorship or some nonsense with this guy. Yes. That he continually, continually can live off the, the government grift. It was it, almost like they saw Al Gore didn't have yeah, right. <laughs> any juice left. So it's no. like, who can we put in there? Yeah. John Kerry will be that guy, I suppose. Mm. What do you think the point is, David, of him bringing this up? It's making climate change worse. I don't know, man. I'm just waiting for him to start uh, advocating for the use of biological warfare. I'll say what you want about germ warfare, but it's carbon neutral. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> as awful as that is, yes. <laughs> something, man. You know, something else keeping an eye on today. Big hearing about the origins of COVID-19, that Wuhan lab, and they're naming Fauci by name. Yep. 
saying, yeah, he was part of the cover-up, this whole thing. Yeah, he knew damn good and well where it came from. Oh, of course he did. And lied about it. So we'll see where all Mm -hmm. that goes. And you may be right, David. Nothing may happen. Oh, nothing will happen. But at least it's getting brought up. If people can learn the truth, that would be at least a win for a lot of us, I Mm -hmm. think, at this point. Because so many people in the country are still brainwashed to think that Fauci was the savior. Goodness gracious. All right. Moving on to this story of addiction, David. What is going on here? Yeah, we talked about this yesterday. Multnomah County, Oregon is going to be distributing kits, making it easier for drug addicts to use fentanyl to smoke it. And also they're having snorting kits and distributing clean tinfoil. I'm like everywhere carry, every store in America carries tinfoil. You're telling me that we live in a a tinfoil desert? To the common person, you hear this and you see fentanyl. You're like, are you trying to help people die? Yeah. Well, there's a uh, Portland drug counselor by the name of uh, Kevin Dahlgren, and he's in Portland again. And, and, and he said, look, this is just a move to kill more people. That's what this is. Well, you know, Multnomah County historically has never had a plan to end homelessness. And so now what I say to this is that this is now their plan is let's just let them all die. I mean, this is this is just shocking. Uh, this is the deadliest drug in history, and now we're giving them the means to kill themselves faster. Time out, uh, just a second. I'm cr- just asking. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's really what these people are thinking? As far as hey, here's a program that we could start. In other words, let's just let them die. Or do yeah. they actually think it's going to be helpful? I mean, I, I, I don't want to try to put thoughts in people's brains, but I will say the whole harm reduction thing, when you look at the slippery slope north of the border, it, it kind of did. It started out with handing out needles and, yeah. and pipes and all sorts of paraphernalia, and now Canada is expanding its uh, euthanasia program. It's insanity. And you wonder, are people that dumb that are in charge of this? And maybe it is. I'm just curious about intent, but yeah, you're getting into. I mean, isn't isn't the end result of this minds. just throwing your hands up, saying nothing we can do? Yeah. We might as well, well do the, this. The KXL yes. news team is now telling me though that Multnomah County has stopped the idea. Good, they should, because this guy's right. Uh, and these harm reduction clinic uh, clinics, uh, just for philosophical reasons, don't actually offer help. And that's their justification for doing this, is that we'll have more interaction and contact with them. But the fact is, they don't offer services. They just encourage the use. This is just completely inhumane. You know, man, okay. No, we need to spend a lot of time on this part of a conversation. But I just want to bring it up to say, you go back 10, 15 years ago, let's say for the sake of argument. You used to have people on the right and people on the left, and there would be disagreements about policy, things like that. It feels like the left has gone so far off the deep end in so many different ways. It defies, like, just common sense. How can anyone back that sort of thing? You don't need to be a drug counselor for 20 years to know that's a terrible idea. Yeah, yeah. Where are we with that? Uh, I don't know. I am glad, though, that, yeah, Multnomah County hit pause on it, and they said, uh, what was the quote from the county chair, Jessica Vega-Peterson? said, well, the health department's plan didn't go through the proper channels and needed further analysis. Further analysis? Yeah. You know, I, No, it doesn't. I, I think about, you know, needle exchange programs 
<clears throat> generally speaking, whenever people are asked about it, it, it makes sense to people. And the reason is because it's not about just using drugs or making it easier to use drugs. The purpose behind needle exchange programs are to prevent the spread of AIDS. That's, yes. that's the goal. It's not to make it easier for people to use drugs. It's to make sure that fewer people get AIDS. And so it's complicated, but that was one of the reasons, or that was the chief reason behind doing these programs. But the idea of just handing out crack pipes or methods of snorting or smoking fentanyl is well beyond that. Man. You know, a little bit later... We'll get to a guy, his name's Michael Bailey. He was a psychology professor at Northwestern for 34 years, done research for 40 years about gender dysphoria, got censored because the trans activists didn't like what he had to say. That is another example of the left going insane. It just it makes no sense, no. and kids are paying the price for it. But more on that later. Speaking of kids, though, we've talked about the movie Sound of Freedom, which is about child sex trafficking. It's a bigger problem than a lot of people had imagined. And it's the true story of a guy named Tim Ballard. And Jim Caviezel plays Tim Ballard in the movie. And there has been this backlash from liberal media about the movie. Like, somehow it goes too far. And, David, yesterday you played a clip that was on CNN. Yeah. And it was this author, Mike Rothschild, that said this about the movie. Films are created out of moral panics. They're created out of bogus statistics. They're created out of fear. And with something like Sound of Freedom, it specifically is looking at QAnon concepts of these child trafficking rings that are run by the high-level elites and only people like Tim Ballard and only people like Jim Caviezel and, by extension, only people like the ticket buyer can help bring these trafficking rings down. Okay. You heard that. We talked about it yesterday. Dude, this is a real thing. This isn't made up. What does this have to do with QAnon? Mm -hmm. I don't know what you're talking about. And so Tim Ballard was on Fox, and he was asked, hey, what is your response to that? And this is what he had to say. Yeah, I'll, as that guy's talking, and, and he's nobody's hero, by the way. I can't imagine any kid looking at him thinking he's going to help them out. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> I think of the children that are really depicted in that film. I know what happened to them. Those children were the subjects of child rape videos. Those children were being sold for sex. Uh, in total, you see over 120 kids actually are rescued in the story that's being depicted, even if the movie doesn't get into all of them. These are real kids. I see them. I'm still friends with them. So it's, it's, it's embarrassing and, frankly, grotesque for this guy who knows nothing to start throwing out terms like QAnon and connecting it to a real story. I mean, they're not even thinking about it. So what are they thinking about? Are they thinking pro, about trying are they to stop sex trafficking children? Yes. It's, and he said it's just kind of sick. It is. And then you wonder, what are, are they trying to protect people as far as the CNNs of the world to say, yeah, well, it's really not that bad? Well, I mean, lay they, off the sex traffickers. One, one of Jake Tapper's producers who's in prison now because he was a diddler. Oh, that's right. Mm -hmm. I mean, wow. It's a little well, bit. You wonder, as you said, Scott, you think here is a topic that everyone's on the same side. Finally, something has to be done about this yeah. evil in the world that a lot of people don't even know about. And yet the left is like, oh, it's these crazy people. It's like QAnon. You got to be kidding. Yeah. All right. Switching gears. You got a piece of audio, David. Uh, this is a yeah. trans person. Yeah. 
Okay. Uh, slamming the Pride festivities. And this came oh. to my attention this morning. It was posted at the end of Pride Month. Did you know that June was Pride Month? Normally Scott told me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I think the person's name is AJ Sanchez. And the video he made is making the rounds. I think it's funny because he's telling the truth. Oh, all right, roll it. And yes, I'm going to be the one to say it because if a straight person says it, y'all going to say they're homophobic, this, that, and the third. And it's like, no, boo, you're just doing the most. And it's really not cute. Because can someone explain to me why I'm seeing all these pride videos, people in the streets, boo, chee, chee, chee's all out on display for everybody to see, middle New York, broad daylight, minors present. Like, when it, since when is that okay, sis? Because it's not. And don't get it twisted. On a scale of one to classy, I'm not giving royal family by any means. Like, but time and place. And, th- and that was not it. Y'all, when I tell you I saw this chick, practically nothing on on top of a water fountain, water spraying all up in her cookies, nookies, and crannies. Ooh. A bit. I'm just wondering what type of antibiotic that doctor's gonna prescribe for all that. People hanging from street lights, hooking up on the side of the road. What in the land before time, Neanderthal behavior? Raggedy is the word for it. This is how you want them to perceive us. Oh, I bet there's gonna be backlash to that person. <laughs> right. <laughs> a, a turf? Is that what's the term for a member of the community who says, "Hey, tone it down a little bit" with the whole. What is it? <laughs> cookies and cream or whatever. Cookies and crannies. Hold on. And her cookies, nookies, and crannies. Cookies, nookies, and crannies. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's not a successful diet for anybody. The new album. <laughs> the new album from Lizzo. <laughs> cookies, nookies, mm, and crannies. Golly. Okay, much to get to. Um, <laughs> the... This is an interesting story. The country with the highest murder rate now has the highest incarceration rate, and the murders are going down. Next. The Markley Van Camp and Robbins Show. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. Okay, saw this story. The country with the highest murder rate now has the highest incarceration rate. Talking about El Salvador. Mm -hmm. It's not the highest murder rate anymore. It's got a lot of people in jail. Did Baltimore beat it? Uh, Chicago did. Okay. Yeah, I remember that because Tucker Carlson had the president of El Salvador, President Bukele. Yeah, he on. was kind of cracking the whip, wasn't he? Like, they were... Like, we can't do this anymore. We have to get criminals in jail. In jail, yeah. Oh, yeah. Gangs have ravaged this entire country. I mean, he was, he was not messing around anymore. Well, they, yeah, there, there are videos of people who have been arrested, rounded up, gang members heavily tattooed, and they're all in their underwear, just like yes. seated down on the floor, crammed in. Yeah, down on their knees. Yep. Yes, and people like inhumane. Mm-hmm. Can't happen. Right. No, you can't have gangs out on the street well, yeah, during a part of country. They, I, I saw one response to somebody claiming it was inhumane and saying, hey, here's what this guy did. He cut the head off of a seven-year-old girl. God. So, yeah, it's, yeah. I'm sorry he that he might be, a little, might be a little chilly in his tidy whities there, but who cares? This is what he said on Tucker Show at the time, like advice for American cities that are dealing with crime. To be tough in crime. Actually, now, before El Salvador was the murder capital of the world, like three, three years ago, we yes. were the murder capital of the world. Now, crime has been reduced by 75%, violent crimes. And so now it is more dangerous to live in Chicago, for example, than to live in El Salvador. Yeah. Well, lowering homicides by 92% compared with 2015 is what this strategy has done for El Salvador. So, and I would say, yeah, if you have time, but it's a long read. I, I thought it was really informative. It was well done. Um, there are less people coming into the United States from El Salvador now because people are like, you know what? We could stay here. 
can actually live. I mean, when you've got MS-13 running everything, mm-hmm. everyone's scared to death. Wrong move, you're going to get killed. Right. And it's changed the whole outlook of the country. Now, you do, of course, have people that are complaining, saying, again, that it's inhumane. Mm-hmm. And there will be people saying, hey, now I've got one kid who was in MS-13, but then the other two brothers, they weren't in that gang, and then they got swept up in it too, and now they're in jail. I don't know if that's true or not. I'm not saying we have to copy exactly what El Salvador is doing, but Mm -hmm. if you really want to get tough on crime, incarceration rates are going to go up. Yeah, they are. But this is not a hard problem to solve. No, it just takes will. Yes, that's all, just will. And basically the ability to listen to all the complaints and pretty much ignore it. Yeah. Say, yeah, I know you're going to gripe and moan about this, and, well, it's not fair, and this person's going to be in jail, and they're probably going to be in too long now. Well, don't get mixed up in a gang. We've got to save the innocent people. Mm -hmm. That should be priority one. Yeah. And it's interesting. That's what they've done. Uh, did see this. Uh, A mathematician came up with the ultimate new swear word, although most people are like, "Eh, this is not very good. So how do you do that? Well, you use an algorithm to come up with a swear word because, you know, in a lot of people's opinion, it's got to have a certain sound to it, and it might be one syllable or two. Um, they said, you know, from the algorithm, it should have maybe four letters and start with a B. Okay. Okay. Um, and then if you put an ER tacked on the end, it, it would help a little bit. And so... According to the algorithm, the ultimate swear word is banger. I feel like what? But, but no, no. No, it doesn't work. It, it doesn't work because in modern parlance, what that means is, hey, this is really cool. This is really good. Like a heavy rock song. Like this song banger. banger. Yeah. yeah. Or something you eat with mash. <laughs> <laughs> Hadn't thought of that. Yeah. But feel free to use it anytime you want on the show. Well, he's a banger. I think we can come up with something better. Let's give us a little time. Okay. Got to get to a news update. And what's your story next? David Van Camp and Robin Show. Jamie Markley. I'm the Gen Xer. David Van Camp, the millennial, the sexy boomer, Scott Robbins. Okay, you have some news on Ron DeSantis, David? Yeah, well, Ron DeSantis has been struggling to gain a whole lot of traction in the Republican presidential primary. And... When he's been asked about it, he says, well, it's early. We're putting the pieces in place right now. Uh, And he also has made a point to say, hey, I'm the guy that the establishment and the media are most afraid of. Do you believe that to be true, by the way? I think so, because it's less vulnerable. uh, There are fewer vulnerabilities than there are with Trump, because, I mean, look, I'm saying this as a fan of Donald Trump and someone who would gladly vote for him if he's the nominee in 2024. But, I mean, Trump steps in it. And he makes it easy for his opponents a lot of times. Yeah, there is a history of that. And DeSantis doesn't make those mistakes. Uh, Anyway, CNN's Van Jones and Anderson Cooper were talking about that, and they played dumb saying, well, he's claiming the media is tanking his campaign, which is not what he's saying. But listen to this. Okay. So he's saying that the left-wing media is influencing Republican voters not to vote for him. (laughs) Yeah, look, it's uh, it's kind of sad. I mean, he, uh, to the contrary, the media 
establishment media was jumping up and down. I mean, way before he even launched, he, breathless. Oh, maybe it won't be Trump. Maybe it'll be DeSantis. And of course, I thought that was kind of weird since I thought DeSantis is probably worse than Trump. But I mean, he got the biggest buildup, the biggest support. I mean, it was it was nuts. It was you know DeSantis mania for months and months. Then he launches his campaign, and it's just like a little. No, they they were. I mean, it's <laughs> it's kind of funny when he says, "Yeah, the media was supportive of of Ron DeSantis." What he, media is he talking about? When he also slips in the common refrain we've been hearing that Ron DeSantis is somehow like worse than Trump, more Hitler than Trump, or something like that. We all predicted it. It was easy to predict. Yeah. Of course, it came true a week later. Yeah, when he announced Ron DeSatan, mm -hmm. all of that sort of stuff. Worse than Trump, right? Oh, my gosh. Everything's a culture war. Blah, blah, blah. Oh, the media has been great to him. Yeah, right. These guys don't deal in reality. <laughs> no, I don't think it's a huge secret. I think there are a lot of people that are Trump no matter what people will still say, yeah, I understand. Democrats want Trump to run because they think that he's the easiest to beat. That doesn't mean that I'm still not going to be for him as the number one candidate and we'll vote for him in the primary. I think a lot of people realize that. And it's true every time that he gets indicted for something else, uh, his numbers go up. And you know, the left knows that. Yeah. Yes. Um, now you have another clip from, yeah. is this from MSNBC? That, that kind of uh, undercuts the claims made on CNN that all these people were like fawning over DeSantis. Oh my gosh, at least he's not Trump. Well, no, that's not true. Uh, this is MSNBC's Katie Fang. Katie Fang. Well, I'm going to beat this drum until the cows come home. I still don't want a Ron DeSantis. I'll take a Donald Trump no. over Ron DeSantis any day. A Ron DeSantis is a leaner, meaner Donald Trump, and I will go to the grave on that one. <laughs> Who is out there saying that uh, they, they're not afraid of Ron DeSantis? I don't get it. <laughs> Do you even watch the news? That's crazy. Yeah, man. And, and I'll have people ask me every once in a while, so why isn't Trump number one for you? You know, why is it DeSantis? And I think more than anything, it's the unforced errors. And especially with the 2020 campaign. And I understand. And I think it was, you can call it legally rigged, you can just call it rigged, whatever it was, that there were unforced errors that he made that didn't make it any easier. James. Hey, we've well, already talked about this. True. You know, and then, okay, I'm going to suspend all that and think it's going to be different this next time. We can't do another four years of Biden or Kamala or Gavin Newsom, whoever they put in there. You can't. I mean, we're in so much worse shape right now than three years ago. And it didn't have to be that way. Mm -hmm. And the other thing is after the election, and then there's the runoff in Georgia. And the Trumpster was like, well, I'm going to take my toys and go home. Might yeah. as well not even vote. I mean, dude, that was terrible. James. It was. I'm with you. If he ends up being the nominee, I'll vote for him. Well, not I'd, that. Uh, yeah, but I'd vote for a carton of milk before I would vote for <laughs> freaking Joe Biden. Scott. Well, it's true. <laughs> Golly. I mean, there's no choice there, really. Yeah. It'll be interesting. I mean, and, you know, to the whole question of did you think that DeSantis would be polling higher right now than he is? Yeah, I did. I really did. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I think somebody, and I can't remember who it was online, said, you know, if you go back 
a year and a half ago when people were just doing, I don't know if it was formal polls, but there, there seemed to be a lot more enthusiasm for DeSantis then. Yeah. How do you explain that? Trump. Maybe. Well, I don't I think know. When you, when you have such an obvious example of the system with a capital S going after a yeah. candidate among Republican uh, primary voters, and I feel the same way at times, you know, it, it, it does make you more sympathetic to the guy that they're going after. Like, well, obviously, there's something about this guy they don't like. So, yeah. And it's Boy, just... I remember it, too. Jason Whitlock. I remember the night that that whole thing came down at Mar-a-Lago. And he said, from here on out, I'm MAGA all the way. A lot of people felt that at the time. Mm-hmm. I think there's probably something to that. All right. It's that time of the show going around the table. It may not be the biggest story that you saw today, but it caught your attention. David, we'll start with you. What's your story? Well, my story also involves the state of Florida, <laughs> where uh, this is making the rounds right now. Insider, uh, businessinsider.com. More people actually moved out of Florida than New York or California in 2021. That is the claim. Okay. Well, that that's actually not true, obviously. We know that's not true. Uh, what happened, though, is that they mixed up the data. They misread the data, I should say. The reporter did. So <laughs> Business Insider looked at the data table and thought that six, uh, 674,000 uh, was the number of people who left Florida. That was the number of 2021 Florida residents who had lived in a different state of residence one year ago, meaning that's the number of people who moved in. <laughs> so great. That's fantastic. Way to go. Math yeah. is hard. Nice. Nice job. All right, Scott, what's your story? Uh, well, there's a lot of talk right now about the temperament of one Mr. Joe Biden, if you've noticed. I have noticed, uh, man. That, all there of are, a sudden, there, you got to wonder, right, huh? And all of a sudden, this story comes out of nowhere. The guy's mm-hmm. always had a temper issue, always. Yeah. But now, all of a sudden, it's a big deal. It's being amplified that he talks to his staff, screams at him, yeah. curses at him. Uh, he was quoted as saying things like, don't blanking BS me. Get the blank out of here. That doesn't sound like the kindly grandpa that we were led to believe he really was, right? Yep. And the fact that he won't acknowledge his seventh grandchild is another uh, log on the fire. So... Which brings me to this, which, by the way, I think is, and according to, I I don't know if Axios coined this term or someone else did, but Joe Biden now has a new nickname based on all these allegations that are coming out about Angry Joe. Okay. That new nickname is Old Yeller. (laughs) (laughs) I did see that. I absolutely love that. Yeah, that's really good. What a stupid son of a bitch. (laughs) I like all the people who are acting shocked about this. Like, have you ever yeah. followed him? Exa- right. I know. That, right. That guy. And and I've said this before, and I'll say it again. One of the greatest tricks that the Obama campaign ever pulled off. They were a cagey bunch. They weren't, you know, complete idiots. Mm-hmm. Was turning him into this kindly old lunch pail Joe character. Because he never had that reputation. Ever. No. No, he was a fighter. He was a he was a laughing stock. Yes, there was that. He was not really all that bright. He was nope. a known liar, but one of his greatest assets was that he knew how to play the game nastier than pretty much anybody else. Mm-hmm. And so people were afraid of him because he wasn't afraid to use whatever power that he got. He had he had dirt on everybody. 
he was one of, again one of the meanest dudes on Capitol Hill, and that's, that's not saying true. something. You're saying things you do not know what you're talking about. Oh, I mm, okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, when he was on the campaign trail and called that guy fat. Oh yeah, yeah. just push up and and you know the lion dog face pony soldier and all that. Stuff. Everybody, every, even then though, they were like, well, you know. Oh, he's just yeah, lunch pail Joe. That's right. You know, he got a little angry. You know, whatever. He's not really like that. Yeah. Um, for my story today, uh, new federal data. This was out of the Wall Street Journal. There's a striking divergence between earnings growth in GOP-led states and progressive states. You don't say. Shocking. It says in the story, uh, Biden would never admit it, but it's Republican-led states that are leading the way as far as the economy goes. Mm-hmm. The economy and labor market. And it goes into some stats, um, GOP-led states adding more jobs, including in higher-paying paying industries like tech and finance, along with faster-growing wages. So if you follow this stat, earnings nationwide rose 5.4% on average between the first quarters of 2022 and 2023, mm-hmm. but much less in the state of New York, where it's 2.6%, Indiana, 26 California, 29 Connecticut, Rhode Island, Maryland, New Jersey, Oregon, and Illinois. Apart from Indiana, those states are run by Democrats. Yep. And most of them have been for years. High taxes, high cost of living, along with COVID lockdowns, and it was just a mess. Meanwhile, earnings in the same period surged in North Dakota, 9.7%. And then it goes from there. New Mexico, Nevada, Florida, Nebraska, Hawaii. South Carolina, Alaska, and Texas. What does that tell you? We've talked about this many times before. Um, but states with higher earnings growth also tend to have lower tax rates as well as fast-growing populations. That's amazing. The fast-growing populations and jobs seem to follow low tax rates. Yeah. Golly. Yes. Even though all those people are leaving Florida, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, they're all leaving. Manufacturing earnings grew over 11% in Texas, almost 9% in Florida, versus 55 in New York and 2.5% in California. Yeah. Earnings declined 1.5% in New York and 9% in California. While they grew in Florida and Texas, construction earnings grew five times faster in Florida and Texas than New York and California. It's the policies. I mean, sometimes people on the left, if you just can talk about policies for crying out loud, these policies from the left, they just do not work. Okay, so that's my story for today. This is an interesting turn. I'm surprised by this, that Tucker Carlson has this event he's going to have in Iowa. And he's going to interview all these different candidates for the Republican Party, and Trump's not going. Yeah. Why is that? Mm. We'll get to that much more coming up right here. All right. The Markley Van Camp and Robbins Show. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. Trump reportedly not doing Tucker Carlson's event in Iowa? Why? Yeah, Tucker is hosting a Republican presidential candidate forum in Des Moines on Friday. He'll get a chance to interview a bunch of candidates, and especially in a GOP primary, I can't think of anybody who would be better at pressing people on specific issues than Tucker Carlson. Absolutely. Uh, Ron DeSantis, Mike Pence, Tim Scott, Vivek Ramaswamy, uh, Nikki Haley, and Asa Hutchinson are going to do it. Even Asa's going to do it, but apparently Trump's not. 
Ace is going to take a beating. He is. Oh. Well-deserved beating. Dude, that guy got pantsed on Tucker Carlson's show when he was still at Fox. Yes, he did. Uh, but, yeah, Trump evidently is not going to do it this morning. The event organizer, Bob Vanderplatz, not a big fan of Donald Trump, by the way, I should point out, uh, confirmed, though, that Trump plans to be a no-show here. Okay, just to ask a quick question, and the truth is we don't know, but I'm just curious your thoughts as far as the relationship with Tucker Carlson and Donald Trump. What do you think it is? Is it good? I think it's on pretty good footing. I mean, Tucker has said nice things about Trump very recently, and mm-hmm. Trump has said nice things about Tucker very recently. I think, I think that thing could turn in a in a in a in a minute. But you know, um, yeah. But I, I get the sense that it's on good footing. I just don't know why Trump would skip this. I don't get it either. What do you think, Scott? Well, I think I. I mean, sometimes I think for him, he's got everything to lose and nothing to gain. By showing up at these these things. Yeah, because if you go back to 2016, yeah. he was behind early on or in 2015. Yeah. So to do all that stuff was a good idea. That's interesting, man. But it's like I'm, I'm sitting on top of the mountain right now. What am I going to do? I can't, I, you know, I can screw it up. Yeah. Well, it's interesting just the relationship with those two guys. Yeah. Because you, well, you found out from the whole discovery with the lawsuit with Fox that Tucker had said some nasty things about Trump. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure that Trump has said things about Tucker, too. But you remember when the riots were going on summer of 2020? Mm-hmm. And it was after, uh, I think the left media said, Trump went down to the bunker. Yeah. You know, and was whatever. Tucker Carlson went after him the next day. Like, it seems like he can't be bothered right now with protecting citizens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was more about him. And I remember that shot. I think he mentioned Omarosa. I think I still have the clip. People will put up with almost anything if you do that. You can regularly say embarrassing things you on television. Them. You can hire Omarosa to work at the White House. <laughs> All of that will be forgiven if you protect your people. But if you do not protect them, or worse than that, if you seem like you can't be bothered to protect them, then you're done. It's over. People will not forgive weakness. That's the one thing. By the way, that is not a partisan point. It is human nature. You know, that's one of the reasons I miss Tucker daily is because you didn't know what you were going to get. And if you thought he was going to homer for Trump, that wasn't the case. He would absolutely go after him at times. Very interesting. Wow. Okay. What else is going on today? Oh, it's Amazon Prime Day. Does anybody care? No, I'm not a Amazon shopper, so I'm not yeah. either. But if some there people some in deal, my life are. Yeah, does that yeah. mean they're they're heavy after it today? I don't know if they're heavy after it today or not, but I I mean, my daughter, that's her lifeblood. <laughs> really? Oh gosh, yeah. She buys practically everything from Amazon. Yes. Well, the big things today are clues, clothes, shoes, and other apparel. Back to school. Oh, that makes sense, I mm-hmm. guess. Electronics. And then just regular stuff around the house like toilet paper. Interesting. I know it's every media outlet, too, has got, you want to know what the great deals are? Yeah. We've got them for you. Right. Okay. No, no. Any collectibles out there, Scott? I don't know. I'll check. All right. Let us know. This is the Mark Van Camp and Robin Show. Are you ready?
Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, and Scott Robbins. We just become best friends, yep. Making sense of it all. Oh, I get it. And having some fun. Lighten up, Francis. This is the Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins Show. The Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins Show. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. Well, there's an update on one of the biggest stories from late last week that Legacy Media didn't pay any attention to. No, now they're paying attention to it. Really? But not for the reasons why they probably should. So, we talked about it on Friday. This guy named Gal Luft cut a 14-minute long video talking about his interactions with the Biden family and the federal government as he was trying to be a whistleblower exposing a bribery scheme or a uh, pay-for-play scheme that had been orchestrated by Joe Biden, his son Hunter, and his brother Jim Biden. Right. Well, Gal Luft has now been indicted by the federal government uh, after they basically covered up what he alleged ahead of the 20, uh, 2020 election. Um, and so he's facing multiple charges, including like arms trafficking, basically organizing arms sales across borders without the proper licensing and notably acting as a foreign agent on behalf of the Chinese government without registering. Now, what's really notable about this is he was doing work with a company called CEFC. That's a, a Chinese energy company. And With ties to the communist government, yes. Yeah, yeah it's yep. a state-owned enterprise. Yep. Um, and so uh, he had done work with them, including ghostwriting an op-ed uh, years ago about this. And they, they, so the feds are alleging that he improperly did that. Now, why that's notable is because Hunter Biden and Jim Biden both did work with that same company. With yeah, the same was getting firm. paid 100 grand a month and Jim was getting paid 65 grand a month. Right. So they're saying that you violate he vi- that 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 this guy the whistleblower Gal Luft violated the law by not registering as a foreign agent. So today I thought it was interesting that uh, uh, who's the reporter's name uh, Stephen Nelson with the New York Post asked the National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan, "Hey, they they indicted Gal Luft for violating uh, the law by working without registration." Uh, for CEFC. Hunter and Jim Biden worked for the same firm without registration. What's the White House's take on potential liability to the first family here? Great question. That is a great question. I've not seen that and can't comment on it. (laughs) There we go. I thought it was really funny. You know, the uh, remedial English Muppet uh, Joe Scarborough on MSNBC? Yeah. Yeah. That guy? He started uh, this morning, he was going after Republicans for trying to get this guy, Gal Luft, on the record, talking about Biden corruption. He was a Chinese spy. Oh, my gosh. Republicans are so dumb. They got taken in. Blah, 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 blah. You know that what Gal Luft is alleging, though, is that the Bidens are getting special treatment because Hunter and Jim Biden were doing the same damn thing. And neither one of them are being charged with crimes. Yes. That's the that point. You talk about a self-owned, man. Well, and the way I understood it, there was a dinner after Joe Biden was vice president a couple months after that at the Four Seasons in D.C. that Joe was at with reps from the Chinese energy company. Mm-hmm. 
I have never talked to any Anybody. business dealings with no. my son owner. Never talked about it. Okay. But that part of the story they're still not covering. Oh, no. They're not doing that part. No, of course not. Okay. Keeping an eye on that. Okay. Um, how about the cocaine caper at the White House? It's, Any updates? No, it's an unsolvable mystery. Uh, who brought cocaine into the White House? Yeah, no cameras around, no yeah, security. No, it just happened. Maybe it's a staffer. I don't know. Uh, Jake Sullivan suggested last week that, you know, there's been a lot of construction going on in the building, in the uh, situation room. So, you know, I, I guess we're supposed to draw the conclusion that maybe a construction worker yeah. was bringing in a baggie <laughs> of cocaine. Yeah, blame the guy with the hard hat on for it. <laughs> okay. You suck. Yeah. I mean, the, 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 seriously. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> okay. Yeah. 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 The orange vest and the yellow hat. That guy did it. Yeah, exactly. I, I thought this was interesting. Texas Republican Representative Pat Fallon was on Fox News and saying there's a good chance the Secret Service knows exactly who dropped that baggie of cocaine in the White House, but they're just not telling anyone. Because of fingerprints, right? Yeah. Yeah. Down in Texas, I asked some of our state troopers, uh, Texas Rangers and sheriffs, those kind of people who do this for a living for decades. And they all said to me that on very porous surfaces like bags and envelopes, you'll be able to determine within an hour if there's uh, fingerprints on it. Within an hour. By my math, we're 192 hours <laughs> from the time it was discovered. And yet we don't know because if there was no fingerprints, they could have told us immediately. So I suspect there are fingerprints, and you can run it through a database. And this was found where high-level aides and staffers are. So most of them were at fingerprinted at one time or another. So they very well may already know who it belongs to and aren't sharing it with us. And that's my greatest concern and worry. Yeah, I don't know who's believing what they're trying to sell. No. I would just may never know because of lack of security cameras and, yeah. you know. No. Just don't know, and it's heavily trafficked. Uh, well, at first, first they blamed what visitors, correct? Yeah. Well, people are in and out of there. Then it was maybe a White House staffer. Now it's now it's the guys who are working construction. Yes, and the location has also changed. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, more than once. Yes. More time. So, uh, the longer this drags on, and the more the story changes, because it shouldn't be that hard to say, okay, here's exactly where the cocaine was found. Yep. Was it actually found in a cubby or was it on the ground? I have to believe that it was on the ground because nobody's like, you're, you're not checking your baggie of cocaine, okay, at the door. Probably fell out of somebody's pocket or out of their bag or something like that. But the longer this rolls on, heading into this, I was like, 50-50, ah, maybe it was Hunter's, maybe not. Um, I'm, I'm like 95% at this point. It was Hunter's. We all know it. Come on. Dude, okay, I know it – it may have sounded tinfoil hat from the jump. All I could think was, wait a second. For a long time, no one knew what happened to Hunter. Where was he even living? Was he in California? Was he back? Where was the guy? And all of a sudden, he's back around the the White House. And for the first time ever, we're like, there's cocaine at the White House. It's not like no one's ever seen this guy on video right. snorting cocaine. <laughs> Well-documented issues. Oh, but it's irresponsible to even suggest it. But the story keeps changing. And, yeah, I think it's a big tell. I mean, and definitively, we may never know, but I think we Again, back to uh, back to the, if it's ricin or if it's something, something else, Dude. it's that easy to baffle these people as to what happened. I don't know what happened. I don't know. Not buying it. Just not buying it. They have little lunch bags like they had in grade school with Hunter's name on it. <laughs> <laughs> to make sure some other kid didn't Yeah, a little it. crayon. Yeah, Hunter. Yeah, So funny. nobody takes his bag of coke 
Uh, saw that Jewel was in the news. Singer Jewel. I was like, what? Mm. What's this about? Oh, it's about the movie Sound of Freedom. That is about child sex trafficking. She is saying you got to go out and see this movie. And it's interesting because she's also talking about the backlash that there's been to this movie from some critics on the left and left outlets like CNN and MSNBC because this is the true story of Tim Ballard who rescues these kids. And all of a sudden you have left media going, well, yeah, I mean, it's kind of a problem, but they, they exaggerate it and it just goes way too far. She said, well, I'll play you what she said. Here's the clip. You guys, I just saw The Sound of Freedom. You have to see it. I'm so verklempt. Some friends of mine made this movie, and I've. it's been years of it being in production. It's the most inspiring film. Did you know that there are millions of children in slavery? This is the fastest-growing criminal enterprise. And the amount of children enslaved right now is greater than all 300 years of the transatlantic slave trade. Yeah. It's kind of wild, man. Mm -hmm. I'm glad that she put that out there. That she goes on. What the actual F. This is a true story about a man who just doesn't give up on a child. It is so touching. You're going to love it. Please go see it. This is a little indie movie that could. It's competing with all of the giant blockbusters, and it's kicking butt, and it deserves it. Go see this to have your heart filled. Love you guys. Take care of your babies. <laughs> I would imagine there'd be some, you know, especially ladies that would see them, like, oh, Jewel, maybe mm -hmm. I will go see that movie. Yeah. Well, and she talks about, um, you know, the movie had been done in 2018. There, I guess a lot of people didn't know that, that it was 20th Century Fox. And then it got shelved when Disney bought 20th Century Fox. Said, yeah, we're not going to do anything with this movie. And they had to fight to get the movie back mm -hmm. to then, you know, release it. And it is one of those movies, man. It's heart-wrenching. It's no doubt. And I think different people leave the theater feeling something different. I was angry. It's just yeah. like mad. I mean, the people that do this, you want to see them die. Sorry, you just do. Yeah. You know, and other people feel like this call to action. I feel like a lot of, you know, a lot of the audience feels that. Like, it man, takes, I want to do it something. It takes a, a little while to process the whole thing because, man. Oh, it's heavy. It's heavy. It yeah, is heavy. I don't think any of us knew the the problem that it really is all Jeez. over the place. And and they don't shy away from it either. Yeah. Well, the, the backlash to it is so bizarre, man, from the it same is. people who celebrated Brokeback Mountain as an important moment for representation of gay cowboys in cinema. It's like, mm -hmm. yeah, but, but this is kind of like QAnon. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I, well, I thought you had the great comparison to the movie uh, about the Catholic priests. Oh, Spotlight. Yeah. When, you know, that and that was an important story. And I knew a yes. lot of Catholics and Catholic writers who were saying this is an important thing for Catholics to come to terms with because right. it is it's not something obviously nobody's celebrating it, that you had this system of cover up of child sex abuse within the Catholic Church. It's but you have to come to grips with it because you need to confront truth so that you can prevent it from happening again. And yes. it is so bizarre to see the left now not look at this as sort of a new spotlight movie. Yes. Mm -hmm. It's crazy. But I think 
you brought up, Scott. Well, it's made by some Christians. Can't have yeah. that. Jim Caviezel, he played Jesus. Oh, he's a nut. Isn't that Can't the do thing? That. Isn't that, yeah, I mean, yeah. crazy. Um, switching gears, this I thought was a great example of how to handle, you know, a business if someone's accusing you of something racist going on or some sort of racial undertones. Yeah. This is Dana White from the UFC. Yeah, two, uh, two UFC fighters did some trash talking as they're likely going to be fighting for the title down the road. And people are upset because of l- alleged racial undertones. You got uh, Dreykus uh, Duplessis, who's from South Africa. He's a white guy. He calls himself the true African compared to Nigerian-born Israel Adesanya. Israel dropped a ton of N-bombs. He's black. Uh, during the trash talking, and even though he's black... We've had him on the show before, clips of him. Yeah, he's fantastic. Apparently, it's racist for him to be saying that over and over again. People say it's problematic, whatever. Uh, UFC President Dana White was asked about the racial undertones, and I, I want to stand up and cheer for this. Yes. What were the racial undertones? Jigga uh, says he's the real African fighter, and so you know Israel dropped some inwards yeah. in there tonight. So what was the racial... Who did? Who dropped the, the racial... Is Israel it? was saying over and over, yeah. He's, he's black. 50 in bombs. Okay, there. he's black. He... Who gives a I was going to say, so you don't oh. have any concern about the way the build up, the tension between those two? I could care less. This is the fight business. Israel Asana, you can say whatever you want to say. Who gives a Why are, are people bitching about that? <laughs> Some people. Of course yeah. they are. Oh, hey. All right, got it. Yeah. Too bad. All right. Yeah. Yes! That's wow. how you deal with it. Yeah. What about this? This is this is your product. Yeah, he's a black fighter. He can say whatever he wants. So what? No. Yeah, too freaking bad. Where's the racial overtones? Where, where are they? What? 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 Huh? What? Good for you, Dana White. Cat got your tongue. What? <laughs> okay. David's got an update on Ukraine. Not happy about not being admitted into NATO. And much more coming up right here. Dan Camp and Robin show. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. Update on Ukraine. David Van Camp. Yeah, so NATO nations are meeting uh, today in Lithuania, I guess today and tomorrow. Uh, Ukraine is is addressing their concerns because they want to be part of NATO. And, and NATO nations, including our senility-addled president, uh, Joe Biden, have all said, well, no, we're going to pump the brakes on that. And Joe Biden said, no, we're... The timeline is basically we're going to wait until after the Ukraine conflict is over. We're going to wait until after this is over. And it makes a lot of sense because really a vote to admit Ukraine into NATO is, for all intents and purposes, a declaration of war against Russia. Mm -hmm. And nobody wants that. Nobody Mm -hmm. wants that. But Ukraine does. And so Vladimir Zelensky went out and slammed NATO nations for uh, dragging their feet on all of this, on letting them in, saying, well, there's an uncertain timeline, and that's not fair. We need to have uh, mutual respect here. And I'm just sitting here going, dude, I understand you got to lobby for your nation. I, I respect that. I understand that. A little appreciation goes a long way, okay? The thing is, he hasn't really shown a whole lot of that, and it's no. worked. We need, we need, we need. And then it just happens. Mm -hmm. But this one's not going to happen. You know, and like you said, David, I understand. He's got to do anything he can. 
and say whatever is going to be effective. I get it. And at the same time, you do wonder, what's the end game? What is the long-term plan? Is there one? It's just as long as it takes? Really? No matter the cost? Mm -hmm. It's not the United States. But we pick Ukraine, this one conflict, the war started by Putin, fine, that we're all in no matter what. There's more to it than that. Yeah. Okay, on a much lighter topic, there's a poll done about hairstyling. Well, a third of people would like our hairstylists to cut the chit-chat, mm-hmm. not talk so much. It is, you know, I, I don't get my hair cut at a stylist anymore, so I don't. I don't remember being that bothered by it, I guess. I think two-thirds of this show never goes because you just use your own clippers, right? Yeah, my my wife does my hair, and I like having a happy and healthy relationship, so I'm not going to tell her to cut the chit-chat. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just do mine on my own, really. Yeah, I still go to have have it done. But it's not like I'm going to some upscale salon, right? You know, the least amount of hair is the one still paying top dollar. (laughs) Oh, not really. (laughs) Yeah, you you don't you don't trim a dead bush, but hey. (laughs) (laughs) This is the Markley Van Camp and Robin Show. Okay, biggest story of the day, David. Uh, The Biden corruption whistleblower has been indicted, and uh, you know he's asking the questions that. A lot of us want to know is if he's being indicted for failing to register as a foreign agent, he was working with the with Hunter and Jim Biden. Why aren't they facing the same indictments? It's a great question. Well, we all know why. It's because they're covering for the Bidens. Yes. And well, by the way, you have Chuck Grassley out there, Republican from Iowa, going, hey, what is the holdup yeah. looking into the Biden family here? We got a whole lot of receipts. How's this coming along? Want an update on that? We'll see if we actually get it. And then, uh, well, the knives are coming out for Joe Biden. From the left. More of that straight ahead. The Markley Van Camp and Robert Show. Jamie Markley, I'm the Gen Xer. David Van Camp, the millennial, the sexy boomer. That's Scott Robbins. Okay, David. Let's get to uh, Joe Biden shunning the grandchild. This is not a good look. No, no, it's not. It's it's more than just a bad look. It just makes him a bad person. Uh, soul of the nation restorer Joe Biden has gone out of his way <laughs> to ignore one of his grandchildren. This is Hunter's daughter in Arkansas. He says he only has six gr- grandchildren. He actually has seven. Uh, Jill Biden wrote a book and dedicated it to her six grandchildren, not seven. Talking about a four-year-old girl in Arkansas who knows who her dad is and knows who her granddad is. They want nothing to do with her. There's a question that's been brought up that I think is a good question to ask. Mm -hmm. Why name the number? If you're the Bidens. Oh, because it's like you're calling well, attention purpose, to you, it. Right, exactly. You yeah, don't want to acknowledge that one as number seven. No. They're they're petty and they're bad people. I mean, really, that's what it comes down to. You will never be a Biden. Brr. You know, I'm the guy. I mean, the kid had nothing to do with any of this. No. Okay. The innocence of the child should be taken under consideration by these bad people. Yeah, but that's the problem. They're all bad people. Um, CNN's Dana Bash was kicking this around and found the real issue with Joe Biden, Joe Biden being a complete dirtbag. Okay. This is a story that is sad and disturbing on so many levels. Um, yes, it is political. 
for a couple of reasons. Um, number one, yes, Republicans are using it and are going to take advantage of it in a way that is unfortunate and inappropriate. But the reason they are doing that is because, and able to do that, is because of the brand and the kind of person that we all know and believe Joe Biden to be, because it's who he says he is, and it's somebody who is a family man. That's what we see all of the time. So, <laughs> so we're... So basically what Dana Bash is saying is that those of us in the media are gullible idiots. Yes, it and is what she's saying. unfortunately, this undercuts our beliefs that Joe Biden's just a good man. Joe Biden has never been a good man. You know, <laughs> history existed before 2008. You realize that, right? I don't know that she does. And I thought Dana Bash was one of the believe all women mm -hmm. people. So I guess the Biden accuser, well, forget about that. She must have been lying. Yeah, there's a lot of different tentacles to that whole thing. But in the end, I mean, my goodness, it's not like you don't have the means to support the grandchild. No kidding. You do. And so does Hunter. And it is pretty despicable what they're doing. And I don't know the character of the mom. I mean, you can read a whole lot of different things. I don't know, but... It, I think sometimes they want to put it out there like, well, she was a stripper, and yeah, he made a mistake one night. They knew each other for a long time. She was on the family health insurance plan. Dude. <laughs> real, you, are you, you get how they try hey, to paint on. that out to be this, this like sort of, well, this yeah, one night sort stand. of a torrid little yeah. thing. And it, you know, Is that accurate? Happened. She was on the family's yeah. health insurance plan? Wow. She was on the health, in, well, on, I on never Hunter's uh, health insurance plan, yeah. And then he kicked her off. Uh, when she was pregnant or either either while she was pregnant or once she gave birth. I don't remember the exact timeline now. You but know, it was basically at a dirtbag moment. That he, is a dirtbag thing to do, yeah. yes. Mm -hmm. Where are the women's move? Where's the women pushing for women? Women who look out for women. Where's that group? This guy, They don't know the truth of the story. This guy crapped all over a woman. Yes. And his child. Mm -hmm. And no one's screeching at him. No, because those women don't even know the story. Because we have a media Golly, that doesn't do their job. Man. I mean, that's the height of, of the... That's the worst of the worst right They're there. They're protected. That's what's so frustrating. It's not you had a dalliance with a stripper and she's mad and she's going to sue you for support or some nonsense. You had a child! Yeah. Can you say that again? What a bomb. Because that yelling was really good. Mm. Was, well, it just... It's like a throat clearer. I reached my point at some point I know. with these people. I know. And the way, you it's know, frustrating. Men should step up and take... Well, yes, they should, including this knucklehead. Agreed. Golly. Absolutely. And then I can go off and on for a long time about how most people in the country don't know, and they still think it's just, you know, lunch pail Joe, hard-working, yep. blue-collar, you know. The guy's a deadbeat dad. His son is a deadbeat dad. Yes, that's exactly what it and is. And generally speaking, if you got a deadbeat dad, the grandparents sometimes fill that void, going, "I know it's our stupid kid." Oh, exactly. I, you I know. have a family member right now is raising his uh, raising his grandchild. Yeah, because of well, a I, again because of a drug abuse situation. It yeah, was not a you good see it all the time. And yeah, there's millions of Americans. That's why it, it just comes off as petty and and it, mean. It does. Of the Bidens to do this because there's a lot of families in that type of situation and. Joe actually, I mean, again, this is how petty they are. They won't even take a potentially 
really good political optics move because they're so protective of what the family name means. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of times, man, you just want people to know what the truth is. But so many people don't know it. Speaking of that, um, the Free Press had this from a psychology professor from Northwestern. Been there for 34 years, a researcher for over 40 years. Switching gears to this, how, and it says in the piece too, and he says it, debate is essential to good science, but that's not what activists want. They seek surrender. And that is what they got in this story. Because as he says in the piece, over the decades I've studied controversial topics from IQ to sexual orientation to transsexualism, what we called transgenderism before 2015, to pedophilia. He's published over 100 academic articles, best known for studying sexual orientation, from genetic influences to childhood precursors of homosexuality to laboratory-measured sexual arousal patterns, all this stuff, right? Said his research has been denounced by people of all political stripes because he never prioritized a favored constituency over the truth. Just want to know what the truth is. But he had never had an article retracted until now. Because on March 29th, he published an article in the prestigious academic journal Archives of Sexual Behavior. And less than three months later, it was retracted for an alleged violation of its editorial policies. I'm not obviously much in that world of academic papers and this sort of thing, but it's laid out. Retraction of scientific articles is associated with well-deserved shame, like plagiarism, making up stuff, like making up data, or grave concerns about the scientific integrity of a study. So, but my article was not retracted for any shameful reason. It was retracted because it provided evidence for an idea that activists hate. Mm -hmm. The retracted article was called Rapid Onset Gender Dysphoria. Parent reports on 1,655 possible cases. Did this paper with a lady named Susanna Diaz, who he had met in 2018. The rapid onset gender dysphoria was first described by Lisa Littman. I know you've heard of her, David. Um, said it's an explanation of the new phenomenon of adolescents, largely girls, with no history of gender dysphoria, suddenly declaring they want to transition to the opposite sex. It's been a highly contentious diagnosis with some, and he said, and I am one, thinking it's an important avenue for scientific inquiry, and others declaring it's a false idea advocated by parents unable to accept they have a transgender child. Oh, please. And he's saying in it that it's not what it is. So that's why he was researching it. He said, until recently, females treated for gender dysphoria were masculine presenting girls who had hated being female since early childhood. By contrast, girls with rapid-onset gender dysphoria are often conventionally feminine, but tend to have other social and emotional issues. The theory behind it is that through social contagion from friends, social media, and even school, vulnerable girls are exposed to the idea that their normal adolescent angst is the result of an underlying transgender identity. Then these girls suddenly declare they're transgender. That is the rapid-onset. After the direct declaration the girls may desire and receive drastic medical interventions including mastectomies and testosterone uh, testosterone injections Jeez. 
changed you forever. Said, but there had been virtually no scientific data or studies on the subject. The only one was Lisa Littman, and she got ripped mightily for it. And again, it comes down to him saying they don't want real research. They don't want the truth. No. The activists, they want you to surrender. And his paper got pulled. Yeah, it's it's all based on gut feelings. I mean, you even think about what the basis for uh, the counter argument to this idea of rapid onset gender dysphoria. Well, that's just a bunch of parents who can't accept their kids. Well, that that's a circular argument. That That is not actually anything that can be proven or disproven because the jumping off point is one side telling the other side you're wrong. Well, that's a you problem, not 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 actually right. something that may be psychologically going on with your kid. And the other thing is, I mean, think about how our culture celebrates transgenderism right now to where it is oh. like the most important thing. And remember the YouGov poll from a while back uh, where it was uh, people's perceptions of like the, the percentage of people who were X, Y or Z. And for transgender, it was something like crazy, like 20 percent or I'm sorry, people thought generally about 20 percent of the population was trans when it's actually less than one percent. Yes. And that's because of overrepresentation in media, in discourse and things like that. And then you go into a school with some blue haired freak show of of a teacher who's got the trans flag up there and talking about all of this, how great it is. Kids want affirmation. They want to feel like they're loved, especially if maybe they're not getting that elsewhere. Well, like it says, a lot of social yeah. issues, mental issues. So it's like, wait The a other part of this that's really important, I don't want to mm-hmm. lose this part. Parents worried about their adolescent children, okay? Said, as far as his research, these were not parents with a political axe to grind. With few exceptions, all of the parents we surveyed were progressive. Yeah. Kind of knocks down the whole argument, mm-hmm. doesn't it? Oh, it's just these parents, these conservative parents, they won't accept their kids. No, that's really not it at all. Um, but I want to get your reaction to this story. It's kind of making the rounds. Um, and I, I won't even tell you what I think yet. I'll just I'll see what you guys think first. This is the story of this guy that wanted to propose. He knew the lady he was proposing to, it'd be important that he got permission from her dad. Sure. But her dad was on his deathbed. Mm -hmm. So he got audio of the dad giving permission before he died and then proposed. This Mm -hmm. is making you nervous, Scott. I can tell. A little odd, but okay. You want to hear the audio of it? Yeah, I do now. Roll it. Son, you've got my permission. As much as I can give it to you in the little short time I have left on this earth, I know you love that man. I know you'll you'll take care of her. God bless you. And you have my blessing, son. I know how important it was for me to get your dad's permission. We were able to get that just a few weeks ago. What do you mean? She accepted. They have some people watching. Is that a cool thing to do? Uh, There's a fine line there, isn't there, huh? Well, what is your gut? Just say it. Between cool and kind of creepy. I'm going to go with cool because her reaction was, you know, seemed to be joyous. Yeah. 
All right, David, you bring your dark cloud on this you, scene. You couldn't propose while dad was still alive so he could see his daughter get engaged? Wow. See? Maybe he, he was saving up for the ring, David. He always thinks things through better than I do. I'm I just, just going with like emotion right away. It's like he's more thoughtful. With it. Like, <laughs> well, hey, idiot, couldn't you have done this, you know, two I, weeks ago? I mean, I don't know. The guy's on his deathbed and everything. But if that was really important to to dad and daughter, mm-hmm. then surely they said, hey, I had planned this later. And I know this is a time of high emotions and everything. But I wanted this. I wanted us all to be together here. So we could work, you know, so so I could ask you to marry me because this was important to get his permission. Maybe he didn't know yet. But he did because he he recorded it before the dad died. Well, he knew it's like, oh, my gosh, he's actually going to die here. I better get his permission before. So, so then you're going to lie to a man on his deathbed? Well, then you're in. That kind of <laughs> helps you decide. Maybe it was just that situation. I'm, I'm, I want to believe the best in people, you son of a... Just the, let me have it. I I'll think it was a you, nice man, thing. The other thing is that marriage better last. <laughs> because holy crap. <laughs> Could you imagine? My dad on his deathbed gave you permission to marry me. And we had this big thing. And then you're leaving me. Yeah, you went off with ghosts. that tramp at the office. Oh, God! Don't believe in ghosts, do you? Well, he'll be here tonight. <laughs> we can't have yep. any nice things on this freaking show. <laughs> News update next. <laughs> the Markley Van Camp and Robbins Show. Jerry Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. Okay. <laughs> Whenever I see some media story about Ron DeSantis, I just sort of roll my eyes. Yeah. And this is another one. Yeah, yeah, it really is. So uh, Tara Setmeyer, she's a failed Republican strategist who saw dollar signs in becoming a never-Trump loser. Uh, okay. She's with the Pedophile Protection Network. They call themselves the Lincoln Project. <laughs> this is this group founded by barely functioning alcoholics and child diddlers. I remember. Look it up. That's true. I'm, I'm not, I know. I mean... <laughs> Um, she says that Ron DeSantis bringing his wife on the Casey on the uh, campaign trail is apparently a sign of weakness. Okay. One other quick thing about DeSantis and his wife, though. Jeb Bush deployed his mom after the please clap thing, and now DeSantis is employing his wife. So that's never a good sign when the candidate himself cannot close the deal. So just pay attention. The trajectory is not a good one for him. Uh, that was a political strategist. Yeah. <laughs> That makes no, no wonder sense. they failed. That makes no sense at all. Joe. The, the, right. The First Lady's always made appearances. Well, not only that, we've been told, and I've seen it work, where you do have the wife of someone running that can make a difference. You tell me Michelle Obama made no difference with liberal women? Right. Are you joking me? Barbara Bush. Hillary Clinton. Hillary Clinton. Yeah. Please. Before everyone knew who she was. What a knucklehead thing that is. That's that's not the same thing as Jeb going to mommy to go to No, it's point. not. I mean, no, that well, that's different. Yeah, that's mom. No, dude. And it's been pretty well documented. The whole mama bear thing across yeah. the United States saying you're trying to teach our kids what? Yeah. You're trying to you're trying to influence them in a certain way and then keep it from me? Jeez. I don't know if you ever noticed moms don't freaking like that. No. <laughs> What an idiot. This is the Markley, Van Camp, and Robin Show. Are you ready? Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, and Scott Robbins. We just become best friends. Yep. Making sense of it all. Now I get it. And having some fun. Lighten up, Francis. This is the Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins Show.
Markley, Van Camp, and Robin Show. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. Thank you very much for being here. House subcommittee scrutinizing the COVID-19 response today. Yeah. Naming Dr. Anthony Fauci. Science has only begotten, son. Mm-hmm. Saying he was fundamental in covering up the origins of the virus. What? But yes, it's stuff that we've known for a long time. It's being talked about again. I'm sure legacy media will not pay attention to that. You're really attacking not only Dr. Anthony Fauci, you're attacking science. Right. Yeah. I was just thinking the same thing, yeah. Yes. So, yeah, I mean, more than anything, will he ever spend time in jail? No, probably mm. not. No. Yeah. No. But it would be nice if at least 75% of the American people knew the truth with the whole thing. Mm-hmm. What he knew, how he tried to cover up the lab leak theory, all that sort of stuff. Just from the emails. Yeah. But oh. again, we have a media that doesn't do its job. You know, I, I do think that actually might change. If Donald Trump is the nominee uh, mm-hmm. it, for 2024, assuming he is, I bet you anything. I mean, I, I'd put $10 on it now. If Trump's the nominee, um, the media will turn on Anthony Fauci. Because a lot of the primary in the Republican side is going to be about how Trump was too cozy with Fauci and taking too many of his recommendations and basically giving the keys over. And so with all of that ammo, what mainstream media is going to do is we have this exclusive reporting that Anthony Fauci knew the coronavirus came out of the lab. We just figured this out at the Washington Post Hmm. or whatever. And then they're going to say, oh, my gosh, and Trump trusted this guy. Uh. That would be a tough that would be a tough route to go, because at the same time they were saying, why do you keep calling it the China virus? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But nobody remembers that. Boy, I sure do. And if you I'm, I'm saying nobody who would be reachable with the actually we're now deciding that Anthony Fauci's a bad guy. Uh, nobody who pays attention to those media outlets will know any of the backstory to this. That could be kind of in the dark. Well, we'll be keeping an eye on it. See what comes out of today. Meanwhile, you have an update on a story we talked about earlier. Oh, yeah. Um, so there was a uh, really funny story on Business Insider that was claiming that actually, uh, let me get the headline right here. Um, more people actually moved out of Florida than New York or California in 2021. And they were going <laughs> off of census data. Now, Obviously, that's not true. I mean, there's a reason why some congressional maps had to be redrawn in California and New York because, well, there was a population loss that happened there. Yes. Um, meanwhile, though, they, they have now updated it, Business Insider. The headline says, we got it wrong. More people moved out of New York and California than Florida in 2021. And so the whole thing, no joke, the original article actually said a lot of people were moving out because it's too crowded, it's too expensive, and climate change. I'm not joking about that. That What? Well, you know, it's, it's, getting, it's pretty hot, you know, because of climate change, because it's never been hot in Florida before, ever. Oh, my gosh. I didn't realize Damn that. You. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and, and so it went from this long article about how Florida was unlivable and all of this stuff to now saying, well, you know, actually, more people moved into Florida in 2021 oh, yeah. than any other state. I like this, too. They, uh, they had to add this. To be sure, the data collected from the American Community Survey is not an exact representation. <laughs> <laughs> well. So what, 
What they actually did was they misread, <laughs> the reporter misread a table that talked about uh, the number of people who had an address in a, pre, in a different state uh, between 2020 and 2021. And that was 670,000 or so. That was, they misread that to mean that's the number of people who don't live in Florida anymore, when actually that was the number of people who went into Florida. You tell me, because you come to this show from the news side. Is an editor supposed to catch that? Yes. An editor is supposed to say, well, wait a minute. We, we would be the only news outlet exactly. reporting that. Let, let's double check this. I mean, I could see a rookie reporter making that mistake. Yeah. But not it going through an editor. No, right? but as, as, as David Burge put it on Twitter, well, you know, in our fairness, we have a deep-seated psychological need for this to be true. <laughs> <laughs> Right. We want it so badly to be true, and it's, it's yeah. our truth, right. so we're just going to say it. That's all you got to say now. It's my truth, right. and you're done, and that's it. There you go. Okay, you also mentioned Ukraine. Not happy about not yeah. being admitted into NATO. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky. He is very upset because he's not being let into NATO. Ukraine is going to be present at the NATO summit that's taking place uh, today and tomorrow in Lithuania. Uh, Zelensky put this out, a, a long message on Twitter. Um, saying Ukraine will be represented at NATO summit uh, because this is about respect. But Ukraine also deserves respect. Now on the way, we received signals that certain wording is being discussed without Ukraine. And I would like to emphasize this wording is about the invitation to become a NATO member, not about Ukraine's membership. Uh, and so basically, he's mad because... NATO nations are saying, well, we're going to wait until you're not actively involved in a war with one of uh, one of the very few nuclear superpowers in the world uh, before we talk about letting you into NATO. And he's mad about that. I guess I understand. I want to ask a different question of both of you. If you don't mind. When you hear an update on Ukraine. Here, the, like the latest offensive, and it's not going as they wanted. Or here's something else. Russia has now done this. Is it something that you're really interested in? Or do you sort of pay attention to it because you have to, because you're a co-host on the show? Just asking. Yeah, I, I kind of just glance at it and, and move on. Uh, yeah, me too. I mean, I, I think most Americans are like that. It's, it's just, like if it's something major, yeah. I want to know about it, and you feel terrible for people, you don't want to see atrocities happen to anybody. No. Unfortunately, there's atrocities going on all over the world every day. Well, we get ourselves involved in these conflicts with absolutely you know, no end date in mind. That's part of or it. Or no, like, look, you know, you got to figure this out. We'll give you X number of months, but you got to figure this out. We can't, yes. we can't indefinitely keep doing this. We just can't. I totally agree. So, I mean, I guess I pay attention when I know we're sending more weaponry and things like that. Plus, you're like part of the military-industrial complex. Well, yeah. I'm Business is good. Selling smart bombs out of my basement. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Saw this piece out of the Wall Street Journal. People are still discussing the college admissions as far as race-based, Harvard, yeah. that whole issue with the Supreme Court. Uh, Alicia Finley. Uh, wrote a piece. Harvard discriminates against middle class kids. That's who they discriminate against, if you want to know the truth. And goes into the piece. Thought you might find this interesting. Well, first, the great line that she has starting her piece. When the Supreme Court struck down racial preferences in college admissions, Justice Ketanji Brown Jackson accused her colleagues of having, quote, let them eat cake obliviousness. 
Her assessment of the case is as confused as the metaphor. It is Harvard and other elite schools that have been behaving like snooty royalty. Now they will no longer be able to have their cake and eat it too. And what she talks about in this whole thing, what was exposed, is how Ivy League admissions favored not only blacks and Hispanics, but also the children of affluent alumni and donors at the expense of others. Hmm. Especially Asian Americans. So they go to this statistical analysis by Harvard. So-called legacy students enjoyed a slightly greater admissions advantage than blacks, nearly twice that of Hispanics, and two and a half times that of low-income students. Okay, this is interesting, because if you're legacy, chances are you're not going to need any financial help. That 80 grand a year, you'll be able to pay that, no problem. Yeah. You're going to get in there. Um, and it says those harmed most by Harvard's admission systems were white and Asian-American students who weren't recruited athletes or children of alumni, faculty, or donors. According to economists, more than 43% of white students admitted to Harvard were members of one of these three privileged groups compared with less than 16% of blacks and Latinos. Their system of racial and family preferences punishes middle-class white and Asian-American kids who don't enjoy an inside track. And that was a big part of this story that I thought was interesting. Uh, because it says while discrimination on the basis of race is illegal, family preferences merely offend America's, you know, idea of meritocracy. Mm -hmm. It does. She brings up other competitive universities like Amherst, John Hopkins, University of California have managed to eliminate those preferences and increase financial aid for lower income students in the interest of promoting diversity. Why haven't these other elite private colleges doing the same and that was the one thing i didn't hear anybody talk about with yeah. this entire case did you i no. didn't no no i i did hear you know some lefty commentators saying well we'll get those republicans for this we're gonna fight to ban legacy admissions and every conservative pundit i saw was like good good <laughs> okay well, yeah. great do it like some straw man they're putting up there yeah. like Every conservative is like, oh, we got to save the rich kids. Uh, not that I know of. No. No? By the way, and add this last line just for you, David. Harvard could afford to provide nearly full scholarships for every student with 1% of the annual return on its $50.9 billion endowment. Yep. It's, a, it's a big scam. A lot wow. of people making a lot of money off of this. But it's up to you, Scott, and you, yeah. David, to pay for somebody else's college education. No, it's not. And also, well, David, the, oh, you ahead. suggested a long time ago we go after these endowments. Yes. Yeah. Or, yeah. or at, at the very least, I mean, sort of a backdoor way of doing that is uh, make the colleges underwrite the loans. Yeah, you got the money. They, ha they have to be a part of this. So uh, if there is any you know, debt forgiveness, they've got to be on the hook for that. Oh. <laughs> That's going to be a fight. Yeah, then One you'll see admissions. See, yeah. <laughs> you'll start to see admissions tighten up then. Yes, oh, yeah. you will. All right. I don't know if this is a real story. Maybe you picked this out for Scott, David. Megan Rapino in the news. Yeah, soccer star Megan Rapino is mad that people want her to defend women's sports because she is apparently okay now that she is retiring. She's okay <laughs> with men who think they're women playing against actual women. And there's been a lot of backlash from a lot of people who have woken up to the insane gender ideology stuff. 
Yes. Uh, during an interview with Time Magazine, though, she said, we as a country are trying to legislate away people's full humanity. It's particularly frustrating when women's sports is weaponized. Oh, now we care about fairness. Now we care about women's sports. That's total BS. And show me all the trans people who are nefariously taking advantage of being trans in sports. It's just not happening. Yeah, it's it all is. over the place. It is happening. It's happening in basketball. It's happening in cycling. It's mm-hmm. happened in rugby. I mean, it goes on and on mm-hmm. and on. Oh, and also she went after former tennis player, Marie, uh, I'm sorry, Martina Navratilova. Yes. Uh, ESPN Sage Steele and Dave Chappelle, all of whom have spoken out against the uh, insanity. Uh, and she said, Megan Rapino said, Dave Chappelle making jokes about trans people directly leads to violence. Oh, <laughs> when Martina or Sage or whoever are talking about this, people aren't hearing it just in the context of elite sports. They're saying the rest of my life, this is how I'm going to treat trans people. Okay. Uh, what are Megan Rapino's now flows of income? Where do they come from? Because I'm guessing it's from a bunch of places that can't be offended yeah. by her protecting women's oh, sports. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. Well, another thing about her is, you know, she, when David started the story, Megan Rapinoe's unhappy. She's unhappy every single moment <laughs> of every day. <laughs> she just, that's it. Probably true. Uh, did you guys hear the audio of the governor of New Hampshire mocking the Trumpster? No. But not wanting to debate? Oh, we should get to that. And ring cameras are racist. <laughs> All coming up right here. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. A lot of talk about the Republican primary. What's it going to look like if Trump doesn't debate? This is interesting. Mm. Sanders Smith on Fox is talking with New Hampshire Governor Chris Sununu. And brought this up to him because they were talking about DeSantis and Trump. He may not debate. Pick it up there. Not beyond that debate stage. So what does that look like? And you, to your point about not seeing DeSantis on the debate stage yet, how will he do? Yeah. See, former President Trump, the tough guy, the guy that says he's going to fight for America and fights for but he's not willing to stand up. He's going to wimp out, wimp out well, and not get on yet. that debate we don't stage. Yet. We don't know for sure anything yet. Well, I- Whoa, wimp out. Strong words. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that the way you would look at it, or were you going with what you said earlier, Scott? He's got nothing to gain by doing the Well, debate. I just don't feel like he, yeah, I mean, he's sitting on top of the mountain right now. Mm. And what will this debate do for him? I I think it's wimping out. It's what it, it and, honestly, in any other situation where you would see whether it's the leader or not, you're not going to get up there and debate. Yeah, that, that's what I don't understand when, when people have said, you know, the argument, I'm not going after you specifically, Scott, and I, don't mean it in no. an insulting way, but I don't right. do it. Don't when, go after it. <laughs> when other people say, oh, yeah, well, he's sitting on top. Why would he debate? Then a lot of times the same people saying that turn around and criticize Joe Biden for not debating Robert Kennedy Jr. Like, what's he afraid of? I, you, you can't have it both ways uh, to me. And tactically speaking, it, it doesn't make any sense because would you rather if you're Trump, would you rather have? 10 people on a stage trashing you without an opportunity to hit back? Yeah. The Truth Social post can only go so far. That's true. And he's been great at those debates for the most part, especially against the other Republicans. But the the conversation evolves, and 
Senator Smith is talking about DeSantis' numbers, and Trump said he's basically out of the race. And what does he say to that? Um, yeah, I think a lot of us assumed it would be closer between the former president and DeSantis. But given the indictments, given all the attention, and given that, that sympathetic push by the mm. base to the former president, and that's what you're seeing in a lot of the polls. But I'm telling you, it doesn't mean they're going to vote for him. You still have to earn the vote. Most voters in a primary, at least in New Hampshire, we have one of the highest voter turnouts in the country, and most will only decide who they're voting for mm. three or four weeks, like around Christmas, if you will. So there's still so much to be played out here. Uh -huh. um, and we don't know what the, the, what the roller coaster is going to bring this fall. But I tell you, it's going to be a fun ride. Yeah, it'll be a wild one, man. You agree with that assessment? Yeah, I, I, I just think everybody needs to put the cards on the table and, and debate because Trump's been very good in those in those arenas. And I think he may be able to win some people back who maybe are preferring DeSantis. Um, if you can, well, knock DeSantis down in a debate effectively. Or it seems like all the other candidates, there's like 4% here, 7% yeah. there, you know, all these others, you know, he could he could do some serious damage there, it would seem. But we'll see how it plays out. This is the Markley Van Camp and Robin Show. Okay, biggest story of the day. We And we still got to get to how ring cameras are raised. Yeah, I, I was going to say, actually, this just became my biggest story of the day. Holy <laughs> crap. These That's bedwetters. crazy, isn't it? At <laughs> that story from Wired? Yeah. yeah. I can't wait to get into the details of that. Uh, I guess on the international stage, the biggest story is Ukraine wanting to join NATO uh, and really getting upset at NATO members who are having a conference today uh, because they are basically setting conditions for any uh, potential application for NATO, which would include things like, hey, make sure you're not involved in a war <laughs> before be you join. Yeah, that'd be nice. Okay. And then, Robbins, you got your big three of the day. You're yeah, feeling buddy. good about it. I am, of course. You, like you, you got some home runs every man. day. Yeah. Straight ahead right here. The Markley Van Camp and Robbins Show. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. As always, thank you for being here. News update, David Van Camp. It is really fascinating uh, hearing now that they're willing to talk about this topic hearing liberal media types try to defend Joe Biden ignoring his seventh grandchild, right. granddaughter down in uh, Arkansas, and mm -hmm. trying to kind of justify it that that Joe Biden and the whole family is just acting like complete dirtbags to this little girl by not even acknowledging that she exists. Yeah. Terrible people. Jake Tapper on CNN decided to he he introduced the piece from the New York Times about this little girl this four-year-old girl uh in Arkansas and they kind of did some wiggling like oh well Joe probably needs to uh you know address this because well he's the family man Joe Biden that's the man we know that's who he presents himself to be but then Jake Tapper plays devil's advocate in a, to me it's an astounding way and, and okay. we should point out just for the sake of fairness that Navy's mom uh, hunt, uh, who you know had the in, uh, incident with Hunter that resulted in this in this beautiful child? Uh, she has uh, been caught up in some far right folks. Okay. <laughs> what? Okay, he had a long term. He had a relationship with her. It wasn't yeah, an the incident. incident. Yeah. What? He just tripped and it fell in. <laughs> yeah. What are we talking yeah. about? Exactly right, sir. <laughs> 
<laughs> the incident that well, brought this beautiful child, nice uh-huh. attempted to save there. Yeah, what what are you incident. talking about? As you pointed out earlier, she was on his insurance. Yeah, like they, she was on the payroll. They had a relationship. It wasn't a one night stand. It wasn't, you know, anything. Uh, it, it wasn't an incident either. You know, it's it's not like someone lost control of the fire hose and boom, a baby came out. Came out. Oh man! I mean, wow! I think that little <laughs> that may very well be true. Accident <laughs> happened well, several times. Yeah, right. 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 Yes. And what was the other part he said? Uh, yeah, she's been. Uh, let me. I want to get this right. Incident with Hunter that resulted in this in this beautiful child. Uh, she has uh, been caught up in some far right folks. She's been caught what does up that in mean? Far right folks. Uh huh. I would Do say. Do you have any idea what he's alluding to? I, I think he's saying, well, you know, conservatives are noticing that this woman exists and this child exists, and so she's being caught up by far right folks. I don't. The only folks that she was caught up in was like the worst family in America. The Bidens. I don't know what he's exactly getting at. But it's like, oh, I, what? I'll just throw this out there. I mean, yeah, I mean, there's the influence of the crazy people, you know, the conservatives out there. I, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. He's a, he's just really, when it comes down to it, overrated. He's been held in such high regard as this journalist for so long. He has stepped in it so many different times. It's just hacky. Mm-hmm. And that whole piece there was pretty hacky. Mm-hmm. Wow. Here's my question. Mm-hmm. Why now? Why, this is this story's been around for a long time. Mm. It's being paid attention to right now. It, the same way Biden's had a temper forever. Why is it being paid attention to right now? Because something's going to happen. Well, yeah. Newsom's going to yeah. run. They, it's going to happen. They really want him out. They mean some the, people, the power yes. brokers in that party. I think so. Have had enough. They want him gone. He served his purpose. That's what I'm thinking. And it's time to move on. Well, they see him, man. They see him shuffling around all over the place. Yeah. They know. Holy smokes. He's not going to make it. Yeah. And we can't do Kamala. That's There's gonna, no win there. That's no. going to be the most fascinating part of this is how, what do you do about Kamala? But if you do have somebody like a Newsom, he's just going to choose a different running mate. Mm-hmm. But how? I mean, how do you do that without having you know media jump all over you, without completely losing? You yeah. know, it's not a huge percentage, obviously, of of the Democratic Party base. But you control the media. Yeah, the power brokers do control the media. I, I mean, that might sound crazy. I believe that they get their marching orders. There's not any journalists out there. No, that are going rogue fascinating okay oh we got to get to this this is a scourge yeah across america if you have a ring camera yeah all right you need to get rid of it if not you're racist Racist. yeah yeah wired.com a tech blog uh tech magazine as well um they did a review of ring cameras and the very popular home security system Mm -hmm. uh for a while i had one uh then i upgraded to something better but, yeah, the, the ring cameras are apparently problematic because there's a feature on uh, their app, which is called Neighbors, yeah. where you can report an incident. Like, very quickly uh, send a video of if somebody was banging on your door in the middle of the night, somebody steals something off your property, whatever it is, you can report that to the police department and hand whatever footage you have over. 
Yes. Uh, and also it'll put together incident reports uh, where if somebody uh, something happens on your property, you can let other neighbors know that this has happened. People and, love that feature. But apparently that turns homeowners into vigilantes and also increases racial profiling, according to Wired.com. So they say, wait a minute. Uh, multiple members of Wired's gear team have spoken to Ring over the years about this feature. The company has been clear it's what customers want, even though there's no evidence that more video surveillance footage keeps communities safer. Instead, Neighbors increases uh, the, the app, Neighbors, increases the possibility of racial profiling. No, it helps solve cases. Yeah, I mean, nobody's sitting here saying that just having a doorbell camera is going to prevent you from being the victim of a crime, but it does give you a tool that if you are the victim of a crime, you can uh, hopefully find the person who did it. Absolutely. Yeah, if somebody pointed out a few days ago after a ring camera caught several teens confessing to shooting and killing a Lyft driver yeah. in Washington, D.C., Wired says, you know, we don't recommend it. Yeah. It's racist. Mm -hmm. well, <laughs> Uh, I like how the are article. Are you kidding me? I like I like how the article ends. Ring cameras are cheap and ubiquitous, but contributing to a just society Gosh. is also a factor in keeping your family safe. Man, a just society. I don't care what color anybody is right. that's coming up and either trying to rob me, damage my home, whatever it is. I don't care. I want them in jail. Right. And if it happens to be that it happens to be more black people, so be it. Doesn't make you racist. Quit breaking the freaking law. Stay away from my home. Pretty simple. Americans agree on that. I agree. Wired, please. All right, Robin, you ready for your big Let the rock and roll, man. Roll it. Are you ready? One, two, three. Look you It's the three most important news stories of the day. I hit the trifecta. Well, at least according to Scott Robbins. It's the trifecta on the Markley Van Camp and Robbins Show. Every day about this time, Scott Robbins' trifecta. His top three of the day, helped by his hero. Hi, it's me, Casey. Buddy. You doing all yes. right? Yeah. Okay. I'm ready. That's good to know. Yeah. Three. Number three, new test scores indicate that students are not making up for pandemic-era learning loss. Oh, man, it's terrible. Uh, average students, four and a half months behind in math, four months behind in reading. Remember back in 2021, Joe Biden gave $1.9 trillion in stimulus money, including $122 billion, to help schools deal with the cost of connecting the students after the pandemic. 20% of the money, about $24 billion, was designated for dealing with pandemic learning loss. But the reality has been, what'd they do with all that money? Well, they were left to decide what's best for them. Uh, four to one went to salaries, bonuses, and building upgrades over the pandemic learning loss. That apparently was a mistake. Hmm. Yeah. Some education experts who have closely monitored the relief money and the federal guidelines say now they should have been more focused on addressing learning loss. And we're skeptical that the money's uh, many districts' recovery plans were robust enough. That's because they spent the money wherever they wanted because there was no conditions to it. You got a check in the mail. Hey, hey. <laughs> well, the airflow is so great now in all these schools that oh, yeah. needed the. That was a whole other thing, right? They were all going to get new ventilation systems. Yes, or the teachers were going to die. That's incredible. Yes. So, yeah, there was a huge learning loss. And no, we have not caught up, and we're not going to catch up for quite some time now. Congratulations, wow. Randy Weingarten and the union. <laughs>
We're getting well closer done. and closer to number one. Yeah. Yes. Scott Dang. Robbins, trifecta. Yeah. Top three of the day. Two. Uh-huh. Well, number two, after a bunch of liberals were fretting over Supreme Court ethics because, oh, my gosh, Clarence Thomas has a wealthy friend. Oh, and Samuel Alito. Oh, my gosh. He went fishing with someone once. That's right. This is mm. terrible. Um, well, now Justice Sonia Sotomayor, one of the liberals on the uh, on the court, now the is, wise Latina, if you yeah, recall. yeah. It, right, exactly, and now actually uh, just the second dumbest Supreme Court justice on the court. Yes, Ketanji Brown Jackson breaking another glass ceiling here. <laughs> yes, uh, Justice Sonia Sotomayor is in trouble now. You're telling me. Well, her uh, staff has apparently prodded a lot of public institutions that have hosted the justice to buy her memoir or children's books, works that have earned her at least $3.7 million since she joined the court in 2009. Details of these events, largely out of public view, were obtained by the Associated Press through more than 100 open records requests to public institutions. The resulting tens of thousands of pages of documents offer a very rare look at Sotomayor and her fellow justices. At Clemson University, South Carolina, school officials there offered to buy 60 signed copies before her 2017 appearance. Uh, beyond that, in 2008, $100,000 of the book My Beloved World were bought by the University of Michigan State. Do they have records of her staff calling? Yeah, to try calling to around trying to sell the books. Yeah. Wow. So, the, so they were out there selling books and uh, for her. On the staff dollars, of course, and uh, we are just now finding this out. So perhaps once once raises a ruckus, better make sure one's own house is clean before you do that. Oops. Yeah. Now on with the countdown. Yeah, we'll show up, but you got to buy a hundred thousand dollars worth of my books first. The Scott Robbins trifecta, the top three of the day. Yeah. Up to number one. Number one, more than half of New York beaches are contaminated with poop. Yeah, more than half of New York beaches are contaminated with poop and other raw sewage. Oh, man. I'm beginning to realize it's time for a change. Yeah, it is. <laughs> the Environment Americana Group found that 57% of the 344 state beaches in New York, it tested, had at least one fecal contamination. Uh, Some more than that reached potentially unsafe levels, surpassing the EPA's benchmark for beach advisories and closures. So I just happen to think of this. Stop spreading the poo. I'm leaving today. I want no stinking part of it. New York, New York. <laughs> Mama told me not to come. Right. <laughs> Start spreading the poo. <laughs> the Scott Robbins trifecta. You Thank you, Casey. Thank you, Casey. <laughs> yes, top three of the day. All right, got to get to a news update. And, of course, we have Nimrods in the news. Um... Uh, You know, not every Amazon driver is in the Amazon vehicle. That doesn't mean you pull a shotgun on them. What? When they deliver a package. Holy cow. And this is a multimillionaire. Straight ahead. All right. The Markley Van Camp and Robin Show. Jamie Markley. David Van Camp. Scott Robbins. Another news update. David Van Camp. I love it when these communists do this. Uh, Teresa Rivera. She's a socialist minister in the Spanish government. She's part of the effort to manage a green transition, right? Got to be renewable, all this stuff. She attended a climate conference and showed up riding a bicycle, right? Sustainability. Except what she actually did to get there was take a convoy to an airport, ride a private jet, then Mm -hmm. ride a limo 
with a lead car in front to about 100 yards away from the entrance, then hopped out, got on a bicycle, and rode the bike the final 100 yards, again, with a lead car and her limo <laughs> following her. She was inspired by Pete Boot Edge Edge. Yeah, that guy shows up in an SUV and then, like, puts on the bike helmet, gets on the bike and rides. See, I rode all the way here, guys. <laughs> yeah, bicycle. Man. Uh, I remember that. Looking good, that bike helmet, too. Nothing yeah. against bike helmets. He no. just looks even more howdy duty ish Yes, he does. It's pretty funny. A safe howdy duty though. Oh, very much yes. so. Uh-huh. These people, man. But then the same tired line is, well, yes, but we're doing so much in our personal lives and influencing people. It more than makes up for our carbon footprint. Right. Mm-hmm. Of course it does. All right. <laughs> Them rods of the news. A beauty today. Let's roll it out. When the going gets tough. Damn it, this is too hard. The dumb get dumber. All right, Ian. It's Nimrods in the News on the Martley, Van Camp, and Robbins Show. I love the poorly educated. All right. Nimrods in the News, we start today in Allentown, Pennsylvania. 30-year-old woman there delivering packages in her own car. The program is called Amazon Flex. You can do that. So one of her stops was this huge mansion owned by a 70-year-old media tycoon. His name is Stephen Saslow. Like his own newspapers, stuff like that. I want to be a tycoon. That'd be nice, huh? Yeah. I I saw the pictures of this place, too. It is beautiful. Mm -hmm. 14,000 square feet on 72 acres. Wow. And it has this indoor pool that stretches along. It's sort of like the outside, but it's got an enclosure with a retractable roof. So you can swim year-round there. Yeah. And there's a security gate. So when she showed up to drop off his package, he had let her in first. But then even after he did, he busted out a shotgun and pointed it at her. Hey, now. Oh, yeah. It sounded like he was worried she really wasn't with Amazon because she wasn't a 2019 Dodge minivan. And before she even got out, he was pointing a shot. A short barrel shotgun at her. Dang. She told cops, I, I put my hands up and let him know that, hey, I got my kids in the car. I'm delivering a package. So he kept the shotgun in one hand, grabbed the package with the other, kept pointing it at her and told her, get off my property. Yeah. <laughs> Clearly a Fetterman voter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. He is facing charges for reckless endangerment. Golly, man. Something, man. And then uh, I have the story of a guy in Kansas City. Had a bunch of DUIs. Got drunk again. Mm. What are you going to do this time? Probably Uber? drive. Uh, but he doesn't have a car. Oh. He stole a bus. A <laughs> bus? Yes. Well, he said take public transportation. He did. He took it. <laughs> Tried to outrun the cops in the bus. Holy cow. <laughs> Got arrested. And in Toronto... Police headquarters there is getting rid of its bar after a cop got a DUI driving home. They had a bar for executive officers. Sweet. And that's Nimrods in the news.